Good morning. Today we're going to finish off our series on the book of Philippians, and we're excited that next week we're going to begin a new series called Small Things That Make a Big Difference. We're really looking forward to it. But let's finish off our series today by looking at chapter 4. First, a question. How are you doing? How are you doing really? Maybe you've asked this question to somebody before, and you really weren't expecting an answer, or maybe honestly, you didn't even really want an answer. You were just kind of saying it because it's the polite thing to say. But today, I think it's a really important question. It's the kind of question that we should be asking each other, how are you doing? It's a question that's asking really about the quality of your life, especially the quality of the life on, on the inside. How are you doing on the inside? It's an important question to ask people and to give them permission to give honest answers to. If you were to ask me today how I'm doing, uh, it would depend on the day. There's some days when I wake up and I think, I think I'm getting the hang of this. I, I think I understand what I have to do. I think I know what I might do today. But then there's other days and I wake up and I think, you know what? I'm tired of this. I don't like it anymore. I wish it was finished. I'm going to go back to bed. Wake me up when it's over. How are you doing? We've been working through the book of Philippians, and one of the things that Paul has been talking about in this book is how he's doing and how he's doing on the inside. And he's been honest with us, letting us into the journey that he has been on in his own faith to get to a place uh, where he would answer that question, well, on the inside, I'm filled with joy. I'm in prison, but I'm filled with joy. People are ruining my reputation, but I'm filled with joy. I've been waiting for three years in a prison cell and I'm waiting to either decide whether I'm going to go to prison for the rest of my life or whether I'm going to be executed. And I'm full of joy. In fact, 16 times in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about joy. He says, when I pray for you, I make requests for all of you full of joy. I'm convinced that I will remain alive so that I continue to help all of you grow and experience The joy of your faith. Paul is saying, I've experienced so much joy in my faith. I want you to have some too. And on and on and on he goes. So we're going to look at chapter 4 today, this last chapter. And there's a number of verses in this last chapter that deserve probably a whole series in and of themselves. But I want to look at three of them today that are so special, so powerful, and I think they're so appropriate for this time that we're in. And remembering the fact that Paul was writing these verses from prison. So let's look at these verses. Uh, get your Bibles out. Uh, get your pens out, your notepads if you're taking notes. Uh, get your phone ready because we're going to work through this last chapter in Philippians together starting at verse 4. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And here's the verse I want us to focus on in this section. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. If only it was that easy. Now, Paul's not referring to the medical anxiety disorder here. Um, The word that he's using for anxiety in the original language, he's used already back in chapter 2, verse 20, when he writes about Timothy being concerned for the Philippians and worrying about the Philippians. So he uses it there positively. It's a word that means kind of overwhelmed with concern. Maybe an image will help. 
uh, you pop into the grocery store just to get a few things, as if that's possible. And you come out, and you've got 10 bags of groceries in each hand, and they are weighing you down. Your, sh- your arms are almost popping out of your shoulder sockets, and your fingers are almost being split by the bags, and you're walking across the parking lot. And as you're going, you're picking up grocery bags from other people as well, so your, your load is getting heavier and heavier. This is the kind of image that Paul is giving to us here. You're just overwhelmed with worries and concerns, yours, others, and you're picking up worries about things that haven't even happened yet. And he says to these, to these people in Philippi who are wrestling with all the concerns of their life, their financial challenges, the fighting that's going on in the congregation, the persecution that they're facing as a church. He says that's an option. You can just continue to carry all of these concerns by yourself. But there's a better way. It's a way that Paul has learned and he gives it to us here. Kind of three things. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. First, prayer. That we as human beings who are finite and broken and sinful have the privilege of standing in the presence of the majestic Christ who is all-present, all-powerful, and all-knowing. And we get to spend time in his presence that he invites us to come and to abide with him, to be with him. And just to soak in his presence, in conversation, and and, and to share with him. But then to, to petition. He gives us permission to bang on the doors of heaven with our requests. He gives us permission to take all of these bags that are just weighing us down and to hand them over to him and leave them at his feet. He gives us permission to transfer all of our worries over to him. But to do so with thanksgiving, which is to stop and to remember God's been faithful to me before. God has met me in situations like this before, and I can give it over to him. This is the gift that Paul is giving to these Philippians. He said, look, you're carrying around all of these worries. Come into God's presence, the presence of your loving Heavenly Father. Hand over to him all of your worries and your concerns, and stop and pause and reflect on all the times that God has been faithful to you in the past. What a gift. What a gift to them. What a gift to us. Are you feeling overwhelmed today? Are you feeling like your hands are just full of all the cares and concerns of your life and maybe your family or your friends or your parents, maybe some of your coworkers or neighbors, and it just feels like you can't take it? The invitation is to come into God's presence Give them over to him and remember his faithfulness to you in the past and know that he's going to be faithful to you in the future. And the result, it's peace, Paul says. You can have anxiety or you can have peace. It's not just little peace. It's peace that surrounds, it surpasses, it overwhelms our fears. It's bigger than, greater than, and covers all of the fears that you bring when you come into God's presence. So how are you doing? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling anxious? We're invited to come into God's presence and to receive peace. And that's what the Lord wants to do for each of us. We come into his presence broken and carrying all these problems. And when we're finished, we leave and we go with our hands now full of his peace. These are verses I think are just so relevant right now as we're in this time of COVID-19. You know, COVID-19 is not just a battle to keep our hands clean. It's a battle to keep our minds clean. It's a battle to keep our minds focused on Christ. And that's what Paul gets to next in verse eight. 
He says, why worry? Instead of worrying, set your mind on what's true, what's noble, what's reputable, what's authentic, what's compelling, gracious things. Set your mind on these things. He started out verse four in this way, almost like an act of rebellion. He says, choose to be joyful or rejoice. I'm in prison, but I choose to be joyful. There's people that are out there trying to destroy my reputation, but I choose to be joyful. I've been waiting in prison for three years, but I choose joy today. He's saying the same thing to these Philippians in the middle of all of these worries that you're carrying around. Choose to set your mind on other things. Yes, there's things that you have to worry about and fix, but allow some of the bandwidth of your mind to be focused on the good things of Christ in your life and in the world. And what a time to do that. We're seeing some examples of that even now. I was just watching the other day, uh, I think it was on Twitter, someone had shared this video of these two little grandkids in Nova Scotia. The news had just been announced that they were allowed to bubble with other people and they ran up to the door of their grandmother, knocked on the door. She comes on out. She's kind of keeping at a distance. And in little kid voices, they say, you know, will you be part of our bubble family? Of course, she breaks into tears. She, she wraps her arms around them, kisses them, hugs them. And it's a special moment. And I thought, this is lovely. What a better way to spend my mental bandwidth than trying to figure out statistics on uh, outbreaks around the world. Or maybe you've seen the movement online of people saying, take a picture of one of the most beautiful places that you've ever been and just post it. No words, just post the picture. And when we see all these pictures of beauty, something happens inside of us. All of, or all these movements around now trying to help create graduation moments for our grade 12 kids, trying to honor them in some kind of creative way. And when you watch them, they're so, they're so moving because it's a noble thing to do. All of these things, Paul says. Set your mind on these. Set your mind on these. And the gift for us would be peace. And we've seen Paul practicing this. <laughs> he's sitting in prison, he's shackled to a guard 24-7, and he's thinking about how much joy his friends in Philippi bring him. He's thinking about how the gospel is spreading through the guards and all the way making its way into Caesar's household. He's thinking about all the ways in which God is at work meeting his needs in such miraculous kinds of ways. And as he does, his heart is full of joy. Let's keep reading. Uh, 4, verses 10 to 13. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. That's the verse I want us to look at here. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and any, every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Can I suggest that Paul discovered contentment um, in a prison cell? And can I suggest to you and I today that one of the spiritual gifts that could be a blessing in our life is to learn contentment even in the middle of a global pandemic. The word that stands out for me in this verse is the word learned. Paul learned this. 
It was not a light switch that flicked. It was not a gift like the gift of music that he received. He worked at it and he learned it. It's like learning a language. You have to memorize the vocabulary. You have to practice speaking it with people. You have to listen to it spoken to you and try to comprehend it. It takes work, but it's completely possible. And we remember that we do not learn contentment in good times. We learn contentment in times like this, when things don't go as planned, when life does not seem fair, and when we do not get what we want. This is a rich season for learning contentment. Maybe you learned financial contentment when you graduated from college. I remember graduating from college and looking around at other friends that I had who graduated at the same time and were making more money than me and had more things than me. And I remember that being very difficult for me. But contentment is something that you continue to learn through life. Then maybe 10 years later, after you're making more money and you feel like you have more, there's still people that are making more than you. And so you continue to wrestle with issues around contentment. Contentment is a lifelong journey to discover the gifts of God in your life. And even in times like this, in times of isolation, it is so easy to compare what other people have, to compare what other people are doing, and to be robbed of any joy that you might have in your life. All around us, people are learning things right now. We see people learning to make sourdough bread. We see people learning new hobbies, uh, taking up new, new crafts. What if in this season, we learned as God's people contentment? Let's look at these last verses, 14 to 20. I love this. Yet, uh, I love what Paul says here. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. We're gonna come back to that. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once, when I was in need. So Paul comes to the city of Philippi. He preaches the gospel there. You've got three kind of main converts, Lydia, a young slave girl, the Philippian jailer. A church is born. And this church grows and it's complex and it's diverse and they're discovering the gospel and the good news. They're sharing it. More people are coming, but they never forget Paul. And so Paul starts the church there, but he goes down the road 90 miles uh, to Thessalonica and multiple times they take money and they give it to somebody and they pay their travel to go and to deliver this money to Paul as an encouragement gift. And they did this again and again and again. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Not that I have received, now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then this is the verse I want us to think about. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So this church in Philippi is in this habit of sending gifts to Paul. And now that he's in Rome, hundreds of miles away from their town. They pay Epaphroditus to take a large financial gift and he travels weeks to get to the Apostle Paul and to deliver it to him in person. 
And Paul is sitting in jail and he decides it's testimony time. He wants to share a testimony with this church about what it meant for him to be on the receiving end of this gift and not just a testimony time. I think he gives us an insight about the kind of ministry that we right now as a church can be having in the lives of other people. Well, what's his testimony? It's simple. God meets our needs. God meets our needs. As Paul is thinking about the journey that he has been on, he reflects on the fact that time and time again, God has met his needs. He's given him peace. He's given him contentment. He's helped him in his battle with anxiety. And he describes it best in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I know some of you were hoping that was going to be one of the key verses I looked at today. And how did God meet his needs? Like, how did he actually do it? Because I think we're all in a time right now of having like extra needs. And the answer is not a shock. It's by cultivating people with, of generous hearts. God meets the needs of Paul by creating generosity in his people in the church. The riches of Christ get expressed through Christ's people. As the people in Philippi come face to face with Jesus, the Son of God, incarnated, full of love, compassion, and generosity towards them, these people become loving, compassionate, and generous to the Apostle Paul. What they received from Jesus, they passed on to him. And while their financial gift met his physical needs, what Paul cherished most, and we see it all through this letter, is their friendship, their partnership. And he used it here in verse 14. It can be literally be translated, uh, you shared with me or you literally had fellowship with me in my troubles. And the image that immediately comes to mind is from the book of Job. You remember the book of Job? Job loses everything. And immediately after he loses everything, his friends get word of that. And they come and they just sit with him in the middle of his loss. This is the image that Paul used here. When trouble came, you did not abandon me. You joined with me. When I was arrested, you did not forget me. You visited me. You looked after me. And remember, these were not wealthy people. The Philippians were struggling financially. They were making a sacrifice in order to give a gift to Paul. And as Paul remembers it, it wasn't just about the money. It was about Jesus used you to meet needs in my life. And this testimony of Paul reminds us of this incredible opportunity that we have right now in this season, the privilege of sharing in people's struggles. To incarnate the presence and care and concern of Jesus into the lives of friends, neighbors, coworkers, and church members all around us. To sit with them in their pain, to remember them, to remember people who are struggling, to remember people who are sick, people who are alone, people who are feeling lost in this season. And to take the concern and eyes off of our own needs and to put them on somebody else and to share with them in their suffering. And as we do, we will meet some practical needs, but it will be a reminder to them that God has not forgotten them because we are the presence of Christ in the world and with them in their circumstances. You know, uh, about a month or two ago, just when um, the isolation all started, we had a family in our church go through a really difficult situation. 
And because of your generosity, we were able to help them out significantly. And when they received the gift, yes, it helped them with some financial need that they had, but it was way more than that. The message was, God is with you in the midst of this time. Your gift to them through us reminded them that they, they're not alone. They're not alone. As we have received from Jesus peace, freedom, and the gifts, we have the joy of giving to others, the joy of sharing with others in their time of need. And as we do, the presence of God gets shared in our world and in our city. What an opportunity we have at this time. So as we close today, let me ask you, how are you doing, really, on the inside? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you struggling with contentment? Do you have some needs that need to be met in your life? Here's the good news. God is rich and will be at work in you. God wants to meet your needs today. He wants to help you exactly where you're at, even this morning as you watch the service. Now, Paul ends his letter kind of with a rebellious word of praise. He ends it with a doxology just at the very end. And I want us just to think about that as we get ready to, to as the Shifes get ready to close us in worship here this morning. Because nothing has changed in the circumstance for the Philippians. They're still struggling financially. They're still facing persecution. And they still have this issue of conflict. And yet Paul says to them, I want you to sing a song of praise because with the confidence in knowing that God is going to answer your prayers, knowing that God is going to meet your needs, he is going to work in this situation. So as we close today, I invite you to sing this closing song with that same confidence that God is gonna meet you as you continue to wrestle with this feeling at times of being overwhelmed as you continue to wrestle with trying to learn contentment in this season, and as you wrestle with this fact that, God, I have some needs in my life, and I ask that you would be meeting them. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, this morning, we thank you for this rich, powerful, honest testimony of Paul, learning all of these things. And God, we're in such a rich season of learning ourselves as we follow you and as we surrender our lives to you. And so God, I just really pray today that if there are people who are just watching whose hands are full to overflowing and the weight of all their cares and concerns and the cares and concerns of others are wearing them out, Lord, that they would enter into your presence, drop it all at your feet and remember your faithfulness. Lord, I pray today for those who are just in the season of learning to be content who are learning to find joy right where they are, even if things don't get better right away. Lord, we know it's possible. Would you meet them through your Holy Spirit and help them on this journey? And Lord, we pray today for just the privilege and the joy that we have to meet people at their point of need, not just to meet the physical need, but Lord, to send the profound good news gospel message that you are with them, that you love them and that you care for them. And that as we as a church work together, God, that we have the privilege of letting people know that you have not forgotten them and that you see them. And we give you thanks. So now, Lord, we just give you the glory. We give you the glory for what you are going to do. And we pray all this in Christ's name.
Amen.